Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And those were the dulcet tones of Rick Camp. And it's not quite clinched yet, but since this is a victory lap Monday, why don't we bring in Rick Camp to talk about Jamal Murray's assist and so much more. Rick Camp from 4 for 4 Bets and Bet Spurts, thank you so much for joining us here. So, Jamal Murray leading the finals in assists and if you're looking at uh, top assists for the series it's all the way down to minus 3,000 for Jamal Murray to clinch that honor so if you would like to take a victory lap now go right ahead uh, but with Nikola Jokic at 11 to 1 is there any reason to hedge that bet I don't think so I mean, if you are if you are someone that staunchly believes this is going back to Miami because of hashtag heat culture, then it's probably it's probably worth at least something. Because if Miami changes up their defense, and while probably not much of it's really gonna work outside of just like true shot variance for Denver, then if you say, okay, Jokic has to beat Murray by five assists over two games, then okay, maybe. But Murray's touches are up so much versus the rest of the playoffs. Like before the finals, he was averaging, it was like 88 touches and just, it was like 7.8 seconds time of possession. This series, he's over 106 touches per game. And that time of possession is up over eight seconds. So even if he's not necessarily, it's, it's just a pure volume play at this point. He's up 19 potential assists on Jokic. So I, I don't see it necessarily. With that said, watch Jamal Murray roll an ankle and early on have like two assists and then Jokic gets like 13 and then, you know, it ends up being terrible. But I've said plenty of dumb things over the course of the season taking stabs at stuff. But uh, this is one of them that I'm like, you know what? I actually sounded like I knew what I was talking about for that one. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, take, the, I'll take the victory lap for this one. It's the only type of lap I like to take. Very good. Uh, what about to, what about <laughs> what about the lap? Took a moment for that to sink in, didn't it? Yep. <laughs> yes, I was ready to. I'm just so desensitized by his fat jokes. It's just I, I hear them yeah. all the time. I just it's just true. keep it moving. I uh, could have said lap around the kitchen. Either way, yeah, right. Uh, what 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 about tonight? What are we doing tonight? Side total. Is it tough to get a read with a uh, potential closeout game? It is. I if I was gonna do anything sidewise, it would either be you could you could get cute and play Miami money line and Denver alt lines, figuring it's either Denver's gonna win in a route or Miami's gonna win outright. You could do something like that. I'm not touching it personally, but if I was going to attack it, that would probably be the way I would do it, like over or minus fourteen and a half, something like that, and then also put a little on the Miami money line. And just basically break up a unit in that regard and, and just basically throw that to the wind and say, hey, I'm getting two different outcomes here. So total-wise, I lean under, haven't played it as of yet, but I know it keeps going down. The thing is, too, if we get more garbage time, like there's decent offensive players on both sides for garbage time. So I'm a little, I'm a little leery of that pace just getting up at that point, especially if Miami's just going to have to bomb away. So yeah. I'm not touching it just because, you know, I'm always very leery to play sides and totals overall. But if I was to play, that's where I would lean. 
I can't wait to get your thoughts on some props. That's what I'm most intrigued by. But before that, what about team total? We've talked about Miami living and dying by the three. Their team total 99 and a half. It's actually a bit juiced to the over, but I was thinking under because if they're not hot, they really have only gone over that once so far. Yeah, I feel like they're, it's going to be – they're going to have to lean even more into the three-point variance, assume and just basically say, hey, Denver's been better about closing out on us, but just have to do it because that's the only way they can <laughs> they can create any points, it seems like. So they're either going to go under again, as they've done in most of the series, or they're going to go way like, – I think it's going to be one of the two extremes. They just have to lean into variance, but part of leaning into variance is also keeping the game even slower. So – if I had to play that team total, that would probably be an under in that regard. Mm -hmm. Just because yeah. I, I think at this point, like even you hear how the how everybody on the Heat is speaking, it's not like previous series where it's like, we will get this. It's like, we're going to do what we can and we'll be out on the court <laughs> and that's all we can guarantee. So if I had to lean that, I do like, I do like that under a little bit, but it's again, if they hit even a decent amount of their threes, they could very easily go over that. So it's basically, how do you want to play three point variance? It's funny you bring that up because at the other end of the spectrum, when I was watching Michael Malone Friday night after winning game four, you could just see the look on his face. And I'm not like a big body language guy unless I'm at the poker table, but as far as his body language was concerned, the expression on his face, that looked like a guy who was soaking in the moment realizing that he's about to win a championship and it's all but guaranteed. And so I think, you know, who should know better than the players and coaches actually out there on the floor, how this is going to turn out. And just for Michael Malone's body language, it certainly looks like this is over. And so that may be a slight factor in terms of how I'm thinking about game five, but you mentioned three pointers. That's a really important bet here because Gabe Vincent and Jamal Murray are both tied for most three pointers made the finals with 10 to me, there are ways that we could have a sharp spread here, but it's a Miami player winning this contest. And Jamal Murray is a, a sizable favorite at minus 300, but Gabe Vincent is plus 250. Duncan Robinson is 20 to 1, and he is only, what, two three-pointers behind uh, the rest of the group? Yeah, he's at eight right now. Are there paths for, say, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, or maybe somebody else to win the three-point contest, so to speak. Duncan Robinson's a flyer that I already bet for tonight uh, to lead the series in threes, partially because of, you know, like I mentioned before and how it's been their thing all series is three-point variance. Now, Denver's been better about sticking to Duncan Robinson, but one thing that I think is unique about Duncan Robinson is even though his minutes have increased, when the plug has been pulled late in games, Duncan Robinson is still out there. So if you think about it in terms of the starters, like your, your main rotation players, then the like second wave and then the third wave, and the third wave is just death for any overs that you're playing on anything, that second wave, Duncan Robinson is still part of it. And he's going to, he, I think he's just going to get more volume. It's going to, he's going to be much more in an effort mode when it comes to shooting threes. <laughs> And just even if there's a hand in his face, they're going up. Like last game, he had three assists, uh, and he actually had a decent amount of potential assists on that. But I think it's going to be much more, I know we need threes. I'm probably the best or one of the best shooters on this team. I just need to put them up contested or otherwise. 
And Jamal Murray, only three attempts last game. Like in the last two games, uh, Duncan Robinson has more three-point attempts than Jamal Murray. And obviously Gabe Vincent's only made one three-pointer since game two. So I do like the – I think if there's someone that's going to make that leap, it's going to be Duncan Robinson, even if the game is a blowout. Because if Miami wins, Duncan Robinson could make a ton of threes and be a reason for that. If the game is a blowout, he could get enough time with some of those second-unit guys in there to where, especially in those moments when he's in, he chucks. So he it could be where he's tied or he's one behind and he hits a couple in garbage time, and we're like, okay, here we go. That's that's just like a way you could get a real a backdoor way of that. So really, no matter the the game script, I think Duncan Robinson could get this either way. Due to foul trouble, Jokic played uh, the fewest minutes all series, and I think yeah, the almost the fewest minutes all playoffs. So I'll go have to go back to game one uh, against Phoenix here, twenty three, twelve and four. And I'm sure some people are betting on the PRA or they're taking a look, but then you pull up the number. I'm like, Oh my God, this is unbettable. Or is it because it's Jokic? Some spots have it as high as 52 and a half, 52 and a half PRA, which is even higher than what we've seen throughout the playoffs coming. I, I don't, I don't want to say a bad game, but not a, a prototypical Jokic game. Yeah. I'm not touching the, I'm not touching his his PRA. Like a lot of those numbers, I am a little scared off on just because of blowout potential. Now, mind you, he has to do a lot for them to get to the point where it's a blowout. Uh, but I, I do like a Jokic play, but it's not PRA. It's over one and a half threes. And it's partially yes. because I, I just don't know that Miami has anything left. What other adjustments are there? Like, honestly, I think if you said – Maybe the best thing that they did, and mind you, best is a very relative term in this series, might have been last game where it's like, hey, we still got, like, Murray had a horrible shooting game. It was just timely when he made some baskets. But if you can limit Murray to that, and sure, you have to make him a playmaker and have and be more disciplined on everybody else, I think it might be a similar defensive script for Miami to game four. Just at this point, because it's like everything's been thrown against the wall nothing's really stuck. So at this point, it's what's the least bad option. And I think it might be that. And last game, Jokic goes three of seven from three in the playoffs when he gets more than two attempts from deep. Two, more than two. He is 11 and two to this over. When he gets more than three attempts, he's eight and oh to this over. So I'm not asking for a big threshold here. I just think if he can get four attempts, which he has in two of the games this series, and he showed last game he's willing to, and if Miami's going to sag off of him, you know, when he gets the ball after Murray gets blitzed, and they're going to guard everybody else and make him score, he's going to take those shots now. We're seeing a little bit more of an aggressive Jokic. So that being like plus 126 for him over one and a half threes, I'm here for it. And it's just a fun bet, because who doesn't want to see Jokic hit some threes? It's just fun whenever you're watching the game, and you're like, yeah, there's one, let's get another. It's a great sweat, too, because so many times, because of how elongated his motion is, he'll start the motion, get like halfway up, and then turn it into a dribble. So if you just want something like extra sweaty for the game, like that's one where it's got a good chance of hitting, but he's going to fake you out more often than not. Just ask Bam. 
And it uh, it hasn't hit in two of the games as well, so it is extra sweaty in terms he, of the ball. Yeah, he only got there. two attempts in those games. So it's all about yeah. how Miami plays defense. If Miami wants to change up their scheme again and, and you know, just basically throw a bunch of different stuff at him, cool. Jokic can diagnose all that and do what he has to because he's such a smart player, but I think he's still going to get his attempts up from deep. What are you expecting from Aaron Gordon? Of course, he had that huge game, 27 points. I was on points plus assists over. I already bet it again at 16 and a half. Uh, What are you expecting? Are they going to have an answer for him and contain him tonight? I think there might be a little more attention and credence paid to him throughout. So I haven't played anything Aaron Gordon-wise. Maybe that opens up for someone else in the starting unit, like maybe KCP going home. Uh, I thought about his over one and a half threes because that's at plus money now. I haven't played it yet, but I I might. So, uh, you know, I'll probably put that up on Twitter or at least strongly hint towards it if I do on uh, on Twitter and subscribe over at 444 and all that jazz. But uh, – I think Gordon's going to have a good game. It's just I don't know that he's going to be as much of a central figure this time because part of what makes him so good is that he can be that accent player. He knows he knows the gravity of his cuts as well. So it could even be he's cutting and drawing a defender in from the corner, and that allows KCP or Bruce Brown or Christian Brown, uh, Christian Brown to like be able to hit a corner three because there's just that extra half step of space. So I, th- I almost wonder if Gordon is going to be, uh, you know, respected more defensively, but then also not be able to do as much himself, but open things up for uh, for everybody else. I'm curious too when it comes to this idea of surrendering because this could be a closeout game for the Nuggets if they have a sizable lead, say in the final few minutes that uh, Jokic is pulled, Murray is pulled, something like that, and maybe there's some play for some of their under props. Is that, say, a fair approach? And if so, any props that stand out to you as far as something that we should look at as far as an under is concerned? I do think it's fair. If that, I'm not, I'm more using that as a way to avoid than necessarily play unders at this mm-hmm. point. And especially if, but especially if Miami is like, we have to slow this down even more, which mind you, I don't know. It's hard to get much slower than they've been playing because they are such a good transition defense. And also, like, the pace was ticked up a little bit last game, but that's partially because Miami had, like, 15 turnovers when they had 23 the entire series before that. So it's a couple runouts that are going to skew that number. But if they can get it back to even slower, yeah, I, I almost wonder if Murray points again. Like, if I think that it's going to be a similar defensive script for Miami, then – even if Murray shoots a little bit better, like maybe under his points is a way to go. Just thinking everybody else is going to have to score and Murray's going to have another good assist game. And I'm going to be extremely happy at the end of that game. You know, that's uh, that could very well be, uh, be the case. So that would be something if I was to play an under that I would look at, but I've used that more as a reason to stay away as admittedly someone who generally leans to playing overs. So that's how I, that's how I view that. Got it. Good stuff there. Rick Camp from 4 for 4 and Bet Spurts. Follow him on Twitter at Rick C. Camp. Rick, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Panthers down three games to one in their first series to the Bruins. Then they storm back and won. Can they do it again in the Stanley Cup final? We'll talk about it right here on the BetQL Network.